In our world lead today, prosecutors say a web of sex and lies connected accused Russian spy Maria Butina. A federal judge says accused Russian agent Butina Maria Butina to American must stay in jail until her trial. The 29-year-old pleaded not guilty to charges of conspiracy. Uh, in Russia, I'm the founder and now I'm the board member of the Right to Bear Arms. One, two, three, four! Howdy folks, welcome to another episode of The Russia Guy. Today we'll be talking about the criminal charges against Maria Butina, announced on July 16th by the Justice Department. This isn't to be confused with the Mueller investigation's July 13th indictment of 12 suspected Russian military officers for allegedly hacking the Clinton campaign and Democratic Party, or the 13 Russian internet trolls indicted by the special counsel back in February. Maria Butina's case is actually separate from the Mueller-Russia interference probe, and it's reportedly being handled by federal agents and prosecutors outside Mueller's office. And it's our story today. So what are you going to learn about on today's episode of the podcast? First, we'll cut to the heart of the story and review the allegations against Butina. What are the charges? What kind of dirt does the FBI have on this woman? Then we'll take a stroll down memory lane and look back at Butina's history in Russia. Finally, I'll share some of my own ideas about this case and look at how it's played out so far in the media. Large chunks of what I'm about to say are lifted from Medusa's recent review of Maria Butina's life, and I'll add a hyperlink to that story in this episode's description so you can read it for yourself. Now let's get started. Maria Butina is charged with violating two sections of U.S. Code Title 18, sections 371 and 951, for her role in a covert, alleged role, I should say, in a covert Russian influence operation in the United States. The first charge, the General Conspiracy Statute, applies where two or more persons conspire either to commit any offense against the United States or to defraud the United States or any agency thereof in any manner or for any purpose. Break this law and you can go to jail for up to five years in prison. The latter charge, Title 18, Section 951, applies whenever someone other than a diplomatic or consular officer or attaché acts in the United States as an agent of a foreign government without prior notification of the Attorney General. And that person shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for not more than 10 years or both. So 10 years in jail or a fine if you violate Section 951. According to the Justice Department's information about the Foreign Agents Registration Act, or FARA, Section 951 is aimed at non-political activities and requires all agents operating under the control of foreign governments or foreign officials, other than diplomats, to notify the Attorney General before acting. There is a limited exception for those engaged in legal commercial transactions. Registration under FARA serves as the requisite notification. So... This is kind of weird, given that Butina's actions were overtly political, as you'll see, and I have no idea why this is the specific charge, Section 951, that uh, U.S. officials are using against Butina, but clearly it's part of some broader, grander legal strategy. So what does the FBI say it knows about Maria Butina? 
Well, according to the documents released, she was in contact with officials believed to be Russian intelligence operatives. She maintained contact information for individuals identified as employees of the FSB, meaning that uh, her contact list had emails with FSB-associated domains. The FBI also found in a search of her home a handwritten note asking how to respond to FSB offer of employment. She was also photographed having lunch with a suspected Russian intelligence officer. The FBI says Russian Central Bank Deputy Chairman and former Russian Senator Alexander Torshin, Butina's unofficial mentor and someone who's been sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury, Torshin allegedly considers her a covert Russian agent because he compared her to Anna Chapman, the Russian agent arrested and swapped in 2010 after she pled guilty to charges of conspiracy to act as a Russian agent. So, same same charges. In several of her Twitter direct messages with Torshin, they both referred to her work in the U.S. as covert activity, including when she decided against volunteering as an election monitor in 2016, when she sent him a selfie from near the U.S. Capitol on Trump's inauguration. The FBI also claims that Butina is well-connected to wealthy businessmen in the Russian oligarchy, including a known Russian businessman with deep ties to the Kremlin. Now, it doesn't tell us a whole lot, and the policies that the, Rus- that the American government have pursued in the, in the last few months indicate that they consider anybody uh, who's got billions of dollars in Russia to be close to the Kremlin. But this person apparently uh, has been referred to as Butina's funder, and he has a Forbes 2018 worth of $1.2 billion, which narrows the list down to 11 possible oligarchs. The Deputy Director of Transparency International, Ilya Shumanov, apparently believes that this individual is most likely the Russians, the former Russian senator Gleb Fetisov, who sat on the same Federation Council committee as Alexander Torshin and apparently frequently played golf with him. In late 2016, Fetisov registered the Hollywood production company Fetisov Illusion Films Aldemisa Entertainment. I think he went with that because he could use the uh, initialism FIFA. But anyway... His spokesman told the newsletter The Bell that any allegations that he financed Putin are total nonsense, pointing out that uh, Fetisov hasn't visited the United States for five years because he's currently the subject of a many years-long criminal investigation. Uh, It's worth noting, however, that he tried and failed to get special permission this last February from Russia's Federal Investigative Committee to attend the most recent Academy Awards in Los Angeles, Uh, but he, he didn't get that permission. Forbes Russia says Butina's Russian connection might also be a different oligarch, Zivya Vudin Magomedov, who was arrested earlier this year. These guys face a lot of problems. Uh, he was arrested earlier this year for large-scale swindling and organized crime. He's traveled to Silicon Valley several times in the last few years, and he actually sits on the board of directors at a tech-focused venture capitalist firm. Before he was arrested, Magomedov was about to leave for Miami, actually, Police found firearms at his home, and Magomedov is also a former classmate of the former Deputy Prime Minister Arkady Norkovich. When the district attorney's charges get to someone described as U.S. Person Number One, and the media has decided that this is almost certainly longtime Republican consultant and sometime lobbyist Paul Erickson, the details are eh, they're downright embarrassing. Not only did Erickson apparently help uh, Putina strategize her stay in America on a student visa instead of going with multiple tourist visas. But she routinely asked him for help on her homework. And not only was Erickson 
doing her homework for her, but he also granted her access to his extensive network of U.S. persons in positions to influence political activities in the United States, according to the charges. Butina and Erickson apparently also lived together and had a romantic relationship together. A simultaneously sad and hilarious passage of the Justice Department's memo says Butina treated her connection to Erickson as simply a necessary aspect of her activities, and she was apparently desperate to get the hell away from him. Another passage reads, For example, on at least one occasion, Butina offered an individual other than Erickson sex in exchange for a position within a special interest organization. Further, in papers seized by the FBI, Butina complained about living with Erickson and expressed disdain for continuing to cohabitate with Erickson. In March 2015, Butina emailed a project proposal to Erickson, where she predicted correctly that the Republican Party would obtain control over the U.S. government after the 2016 elections, which she said presented an opportunity to build constructive relations with Russia, despite the party's traditionally negative and aggressive foreign policy. Butina said this unique moment was possible thanks in part to the NRA's central place and influence in the Republican Party. In the same email, she also highlighted the close ties she and Torshin had built with the NRA. They're both... Uh, I, I believe, lifetime members or life members. Uh, Torshin bragged about that on Twitter in the last few years. And Butina also pointed out instances when she had been introduced to Republican leaders as a representative of Russia's informal diplomacy. And then she concluded this, this project proposal by asking Erickson for $125,000 to participate in Republican Party events scheduled ahead of the 2016 presidential election. In response, Erickson sent Butina a list of potential American contacts, telling her that she had to balance two opposing imperatives, convincing people in the U.S. that she speaks for post-Putin Russian interests, while simultaneously doing nothing to criticize the president or speed the arrival of his successor. Her American contact, Erickson, also warned that appearing in the U.S. media would only be possible if she agreed to be more candid, honest, than is politically prudent for her. The contact Erickson advised off-the-record meetings with media personalities, admitting that Butina's patrons, or sponsors, may not fully understand the power of such meetings if you do not appear on television, radio, or print, as you do in Russia. Erickson concluded with advice that uh, the people on his list wanted to know more about U.S.-Russian relations after both Obama and Putin were gone. You can provide commentary on both if you're willing to take that risk. Erickson told Butina. The Justice Department's indictment also includes excerpts from Butina's email correspondence with Torshin and two U.S. persons, one of whom is Erickson. And there are plenty of Twitter direct messages with Torshin, who is a, actually a very avid Twitter user. According to the data gathered by the FBI, Butina and Torshin discussed different events attended by Americans that took place in Russia and the United States. In one message, Torshin apparently advised Butina to have patience and cold blood and faith in herself. In emails with Americans, Butina discussed her efforts to arrange friendship and dialogue dinners in Washington, D.C. and New York City in late May 2016, as well as her participation in the National Prayer Breakfast. In March 2016, Butina told U.S. Person No. 2 that Torshin confirmed to her his desire in our Russian-American project, and she said that a Kremlin official had expressed approval for building this communication channel. Butina told her contact that he shouldn't worry because... 
All that we needed is yes from Putin's side. The rest is easier. Adding that Torshin was very much impressed by you, and that the Russians will support the efforts from our side. In September 2016, Butina emailed her two American contacts again, trying to organize another friendship and dialogue dinner in Washington, D.C. This is what she said. We only have two months left before the U.S. election, and it's the time for building an advisor's team on Russia for a new president. I'm seriously worried that the candidates some upcoming day will suddenly realize that now is the time to do something with Russia and will look for advisory among currently popular radically oppositional to Russia crowd of experts. Bad things happen then. I believe we can prevent it. What did I just say? That's Russian journalist Darina Gribova, whose work you can find at Bumaga, paperpaper.ru, The Daily Dot, Public Radio International and elsewhere. <laughs> okay. She graciously agreed to spice up this podcast by reading from the FBI's records as Maria Butina. I'll be playing the part of Alexander Torshin. In 2016, Butina and Torshin discussed whether she should volunteer to serve as an election monitor. And this is how that discussion went. Important things are ahead of us. In this sense, you probably shouldn't be going as an observer from Russia. The risk of provocation is too high and the media hype I agree. I didn't even plan on it without you. Only incognito. Right now, everything has to be quiet and careful. In November, after Trump's victory, Torshin asked Butina to think about which areas of life we should go towards bringing us closer. He cited ISIS as something that the U.S. and Russia could agree on. They also discussed who might be nominated to serve as the next Secretary of State, as well as Russia's potential response. The last records containing the Justice Department's indictment addressed the 2017 National Prayer Breakfast. On November 30th, Butina emailed Erickson claiming that the guests whom she and Torshin had handpicked were very influential in Russia. They are coming to establish a back channel of communication, she wrote, asking if U.S. person number two might want to meet with them. In addition to Torshin and Butina, the other guests that attended that breakfast were political analysts Andrei Kalyadin and Yatkutsk head Aisa Nikolaev. By your recommendation, I'm setting up the groundwork here, but I'm really in need of mentoring, or the energy might to towards the wrong direction. Yesterday's dinner showed that American society is broken in relation to Russia. This is now the dividing line of opinions, the crucial one in the election race. The Republican Party are for us, the Democratic Party against 50-50. Our move here is very important. So that's some of the behavior described in the documents released by the FBI, but who is this Maria Butina person? What's her history? Well, now 29 years old, Maria Butina is best known back in Russia for creating an advocacy group called Right to Bear Arms. It no longer exists, but when it did, it lobbied for expanded handgun ownership rights in Russia. In 2014, the magazine GQ said that Butina loved as a child to watch her father take apart and clean his rifle. She apparently picked up her first gun when she was just 10. In 2010, Butina graduated from the Communications, Philology, and Political Science Department at Altai State University. While she was still a student, she became a member of the Altai Territory's Civic Chamber. At 21, she launched a chain of furniture stores, and a year later, at the age of 22, she founded Right to Bear Arms. Then she moved to Moscow. Once she got to the capital, she apparently sold most of her stores and opened an advertising agency, which then became her main source of income. In 2014, Right to Bear Arms had reportedly spread across the country, swallowing up all similar endeavors and recruiting into its ranks everyone from the nomenclatura of major political parties to nationalists and liberals. 
The organization started collaborating with the National Rifle Association in the U.S. and even took up human rights and lobbying activities. For example, Butina's group promoted an initiative called My Home is My Fortress, advocating a broader legal definition of self-defense. This project was actually one of the first to attract more than 100,000 signatures on the Russian government's public initiative online portal, and it even won an expert review board's support, but the Interior and Justice Ministries vetoed the idea. According to American journalists, it was around this time when Butina got acquainted with Paul Erickson. In 2013, Right to Bear Arms published a video address from John Bolton, the former U.S. representative to the U.N., who today serves as National Security Advisor to President Trump. Thank you for this opportunity to address the Russian people on the 20th anniversary of the adoption of the Russian Constitution. In the video, speaking through his patented mustache, Bolton expressed his support for Russians' gun ownership rights. Today, you're engaged in a historic debate about the possible expansion of your freedoms. Should the Russian people have the right to bear arms? I can share with you a word about what this particular freedom has meant to Americans and offer you encouragement as you consider embracing that freedom, which so many nations and cultures have found to be the essential defense for all other freedoms. Around this time is when Butina got acquainted with Alexander Torshin, who at the time was serving as a senator in the Russian Federation Council. Torshin regularly advocated broader gun ownership rights for Russians, and he repeatedly endorsed initiatives by the Right to Bear Arms group. The group's honorary members include firebrand lawmaker Vladimir Zhirinovsky, the controversial filmmaker Ivan Oklavistin, and the former state Duma deputy Ilya Panamaryov, who is the only Russian legislator to vote against the annexation of Crimea, incidentally. In 2014, Maria Butina participated in the Civic Chamber's electronic elections, and this is when anti-corruption activist Alexei Navalny endorsed her candidacy, saying, Butina lobbies for the civilian right to bear arms and is almost the only person leading a normal election campaign. That didn't age well. Здравствуйте. Меня зовут Мария Бутина, я кандидат в общественную палату Российской Федерации. Основное направление деятельности общероссийской общественной организации... Butina failed to win a seat in the chamber regardless, even with Navalny's endorsement. Sources who worked with Butina told Medusa that she has oppositionist views and took part in the Bolotnaya protests, but being a fan of the gun idea in Russia, she was ready to work with either the opposition or the party of power or both. In January 2015, Butina resigned as the chairperson of Right to Bear Arms, and the organization was liquidated just this last March by a court order because it was, it was convicted of violating Russia's laws and public associations. Today, the group's website is no more, but it remains active on social media. On Kontakta, for instance, it has 40,000 subscribers. On July 16th, after the news of Butina's arrest in the United States, Right to Bear Arms tweeted, We believe these charges are baseless and politically motivated. A source close to Torshin told Medusa that Butina was a good staffer who could get the job done, calling her a tenacious and can-do young woman who would go all out if necessary. If she managed to find a spot on Mr. Torshin's team, it means he considers her useful, the source said. She wanted to do a lot regarding guns. She's young and she's got fire in her belly. In 2015, Butina enrolled in a master's degree program at American University in Washington, D.C., and at this point she started spending a lot of time in the U.S., obviously. After enrolling, she started traveling with Torshin across the United States. In 2015 and 2016, during the last presidential election, she attended multiple NRA conferences and other events where she met prominent members of the Republican Party, including Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, who was then running for president. On June 12, 2015, just a few days before Donald Trump formally announced his candidacy, 
The National Interest published an article by Butina titled The Bear and the Elephant, where she argued that a Republican victory in the next U.S. presidential election was essential for improving U.S.-Russian relations. Five days later, the Russian state news agency RIA Novosti ran a whole article summarizing Butina's text. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, how are you faring there in the rays of the new fame? Are your admirers asking for your autographs yet? You have upstaged Anna Chapman. She poses with toy pistols while you are being published with real ones. There are a hell of a lot of rumors circulating here about me too. Very funny. It is curious that only our liberal media published the translation of the article. Yesterday, I was pressing for an interview to Komsomolka, but they are silent. It was probably our people that stood up for me. I only saw it in the Echo of Moscow blog and on the Inosmi site. What do you expect from the liberals anyway? It's the other thing that is important. Evidently, there is an order not to touch us. I believe it is a good sign. For now, yes, but should things shift, then we are guaranteed a spot on the list of agents of influence. It's better to keep a low profile now, for some time. You probably got in trouble because of that nasty leak. Sorry. A month later, Butina showed up at a Trump campaign event in Las Vegas, where she managed to ask the future U.S. Okay, president a question. Sorry? Yes, ma'am. I'm from Russia. Ah, so my question... Putin. Good friend of Obama, Putin. My he question, likes Obama a lot. Go ahead. My question will be about foreign politics. Okay. If you would be elected as a president, what will be your foreign poli politics, especially in the relationships with my country? And do you want to continue the politics of sanctions that are damaging of both economy? Or you have any other ideas? The Daily Beast reported that Butina threw herself a costume party in Washington, D.C. to celebrate her birthday in November 2016, shortly after Trump's election victory and several members of the Trump campaign apparently intended. Erickson was there, who came dressed as Rasputin, completing the gag Butina dressed up as Empress Alexandra, Nicholas II's wife, the same woman over whom Rasputin wielded uh, great influence. At the party, according to two sources, Butina claimed to have helped put representatives of the Trump campaign in contact with Russia. In March 2017, Torshin and Butina attended a dinner with Republican figures, including two congressmen, the dinner was part of the festivities surrounding the National Prayer Breakfast. A few months later, there were reports that Torshin was also supposed to have met with Donald Trump during this visit to the U.S., though the Russian official later denied this. Speaking as a representative for the Russian delegation, Butina told the news agency TASS that there were never plans for Torshin's delegation to meet with White House officials, adding that the group wasn't authorized to negotiate on behalf of the Russian Federation. In recent years, as American journalists have thrown any and all connections between Trump and Russia under a microscope, there has been a good deal of reporting about Maria Butina. In December 2017, the New York Times mentioned her in a story about Paul Erickson's efforts to put the Trump campaign in contact with the Kremlin. In May 2016, Erickson wrote an email to Trump campaign advisor Rick Dearborn, subject line Kremlin Connection, claiming that he'd been put in a position to slowly begin cultivating a back channel to President Putin's Kremlin. In January 2018, McClatchy named Butina in an article about an alleged FBI investigation into Torshin's possible role in illegally funneling some of the $30 million that NRA spent to support the Trump campaign in 2016. Similar stories mentioning Butina have appeared in Time, The Daily Beast, Mother Jones, and other news outlets. Butina graduated from American University in May 2018. And now she's behind bars awaiting trial. But how have the people in her corner responded so far? 
Well, her lawyer, Robert Driscoll, denies that his client is a Russian agent, arguing that the indictment against Butina in actuality describes a conspiracy to have a friendship dinner with a group of Americans and Russians to discuss foreign relations between the two countries. She has been publicly, essentially in the media, accused of being an agent for the Russian government, Driscoll told a federal judge this Monday. She testified before the Senate Intelligence Committee in a closed session, which was not public until today, I'm quoting him, several months ago. She did not flee. She cooperated with that request and had her home searched in April by the FBI with 15 agents going through everything she had, and she did not flee. He says his client also offered to give evidence in Robert Mueller's investigation, but the special counsel apparently expressed no interest. After the initial reports about Putin's arrest, Russian Senator Konstantin Kosachev said something like this was to be expected, unfortunately. The anti-Russian machine is resisting any way it can. And yes, this might be the reaction of the out-of-control American hawk machine to the results of the Putin-Trump summit. Responding to inaccurate reports that his daughter is accused of espionage, Valery Putin said, I'm certain that she has never and is not currently engaged in anything like that, and I'm absolutely 100% sure of this. This is psychotic. It's a witch hunt. Alexander Torshin, Putin's spiritual patron, political patron, has not commented on the arrest of his protege. He did not answer Medusa's telephone calls for comment. So now you know a bit about the charges against Maria Butina, what laws she allegedly broke, and you've got a sense of the evidence against her. You also know some about her background and life back in Russia. So what's my take on all this? Based on what U.S. officials have presented so far, it seems to me that Maria Butina absolutely acted as an unregistered foreign agent, breaking some very serious federal laws. I've been duking it out with folks on Twitter this week, however, because I object to the news media's use of the words spy and spying when talking about Putin. Some Russia experts whom I respect very much have accused me of nitpicking and dwelling on semantics. I've even been warned that this isn't the hill I want to die on. Obviously, the colloquial use of the word spy is pretty broad, but I think the significance here is that Putin's actions, as described in the FBI's affidavit and the district attorney's memo, would have been legal if she had only complied with America's Foreign Agent Registration Act, FARA. She was acting as an undeclared foreign lobbyist, trying to set up meals to schmooze conservative figures and angling for bylines and interviews with media outlets to amplify her agenda. Unfortunately, this kind of behavior is fairly common in Washington. I think David Kleon captured this idea well in a story earlier this week for The Nation, where he wrote, Putina is a colorful example of an increasingly common phenomenon in Washington. Foreign nationals, not only from Russia, but from dozens of other countries, who blur the line between lobbying and spying until it's imperceptible. This is what the evisceration of campaign finance laws has yielded, a capital where American corporations and foreign governments see every official as being for sale. Of course, it's possible that the FBI merely rushed its case and indicted Butina on charges it could prove most easily to keep her from fleeing the country. If she's later charged with something stronger, maybe even espionage, then of course the spy terminology would come into play. But until then, I think we should refer to her as a foreign agent. That's the language that will keep the spotlight on America's corrupt lobbying industry, and it prevents incidents like where Butina's own father was misinformed about the charges his daughter faces. That's it for today's podcast, but before you go... Please look out for the next episode of The Russia Guy, where I speak to Anastasia Karimova, a former Russian activist and journalist who moved to the U.S. for her graduate degree. 
She's nothing like Maria Butina, but there are weird parallels between their lives. And I think it makes for a good companion listen with today's show. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a contribution on patreon.com backslash Kevin Rothrock, where you can pledge as much or as little as you like to keep this show running. Thanks as always for listening. Until next time. Страдальная дорога выпадает королю У него деньжонок много, а я денежки люблю Ой-ой-ой, ой-ой-ой